Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly science and development show from SciDevNet. I'm Ogeche Kenyao. We're back for another episode of our Science Explained series, and this week we're exploring the impact of climate change on farming. The impact of the changing climate and food security received attention at the 2023 COP28 event. Communities in vulnerable nations, a lot of them in sub-Saharan Africa, are facing unprecedented climate crises and extreme weather events. This has huge impacts on farming in a region where small-scale farming dominates both as a source of food and employment. When the weather is unpredictable, it is hard for farmers to plan the optimal timing for planting crops. Sub-Saharan Africa produces only about 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions, according to the Global Carbon Budget, but the region bears the brunt of climate change effects, including droughts and floods. Phoebe Mwagangi is a Kenyan-based farmer who grows multiple crops and is involved in dairy farming as well. She spoke to Titilope Fadari, assistant editor of the African Science Focus podcast, about the challenges she faces because of the changing climate. Uh, from Kenya, Makweni County, uh, in a village called um, Makukuni. The area generally is a semi-arid area. And we doing farming according to the rain patterns. Formerly, we used to have uh, regular and reliable rainfall seasons. But due to climate change, the patterns have changed. We have very prolonged um, drought periods. And the rains, when they come in, they are not well distributed within the period. At times, we may have the first week with very heavy rainfalls. And then later, you find we are having a long uh, a period of drought and then the rain comes again. So that a kind of change in patterning has also changed our way or my way of farming. Uh, with the change in climate, I've started using in some innovations. So for the farming system, which I'm using in my farm, I'm using drought-tolerant uh, crops, which are helping me to have and harvest, unlike when I use the usual seeds, uh, the usual seeds which we used to use before. They don't give good yield as compared to what I'm using now. The challenges due to the changing climate are widespread, affecting many smallholder farmers in the sub-Saharan Africa region. Professor Shalika Vias is an Associate Fellow for Agriculture and Climate at the Alliance of Biodiversity International and CIAT, Africa Hub in Kenya. She has worked on smallholder adaptation projects and financial services across Africa and Asia. She talks to Ogechie Kenya, or the Africa Science Focus Editor, about these challenges. I think it's accessibility uh, to the solutions, to the already existing solutions. So, I mean, I think for smallholders, uh, for smallholders in the global south in general and Africa in particular, we are already aware of how how grave, how much of a grave danger they are from from threats of climate change, which we already are seeing right now and which are projected to become much, much worse in the future. Uh, the greatest challenge is that we have the technologies and the solutions right now which can help them, but they don't have access to those technologies or to those solutions because of it can be a lot of things. Uh, I would 
generally term is uh, term it as like a lack of enabling environment this could mean uh, say a lack of access to um, finance this could mean lack of access to for example the seeds the fertilizers which are needed uh, it it can be the lack of access to the knowledge which can empower them to to implement these solutions in the field so according to me it is the accessibility to the already existing um solutions that we have which i think is the biggest challenge professor vaz says there are already existing solutions for farmers dealing with the impact of climate change but they are hard to access i will give an example of say uh drought tolerant seeds right let's start from there uh, from the production point of view so we already have uh, seeds which are resistant or which are tolerant to um, a lot of climatic threats which farmers already face this could be say drought tolerant maize seeds this could be flood tolerant varieties um, and these i mean it's not that these seeds or these varieties are not existing in the market it's just that farmers can't really access them because of a either they are too expensive or uh, just the whole digital rural marketing system the way it works it it's not efficient enough uh for the farmers to access them um in this is just one example of a technology i think the other very important component especially like since uh, a few years is data because data is also um i mean we we sort of used to think of data as something which is a byproduct but data in itself or data availability in itself i think is an adaptation because it can allow a lot of innovations uh in the farms uh, especially for small uh, small holders so i will give an example of say um when the farmers are trying to access credit or trying to take loans for their farm production uh, most of the banking or financial institutions don't have enough data or they don't know how to access uh, how to access the existing data which can help them target the farmers in a better way or which can help them target uh, the product that they are offering uh, in terms of say the credit loans it could be insurance so uh, this is another example of a solution which already exists but we need innovations in partnerships we need innovations in the the scaling or the business model which is around all these solutions uh to how to sort of align all these pieces together which makes sense for say farmers and the lending institutions and say the seed companies all of the uh, i would say like all of all these um organizations or all these actors which are part of like the larger value chain so how to align these things together and this is where the innovations come um which help us in connecting all these like different pieces of the puzzle together. Dr. Boaz Waswa is a soil fertility specialist at the Alliance of Biodiversity International and CIT Africa Hub Kenya. He specializes in climate smart agriculture and farming innovations and he told us about some of the solutions he and his team have been working on. Uh one of the areas that we look at and I focus on when it comes to soils is being able to have a healthy soil that is able to hold sufficient water 
to sustain a crop through the various extremes of either drought or excessive water uh, uh, situations. So some of the work that we do in the area of uh, soils is to do with the making sure that the soil is healthy, it has enough soil organic matter, and then some of the technologies that we also apply within the soils is to increase our use of organic resources such as manure because it's very critical for conserving water. At the same time, when it comes to soils, we look at aspects of how to prepare the land because with continuous cultivation using the disc plow, we always expose the soils to desiccation or drying up. And so we explore some of the conservation agriculture practices that encourage minimal tillage. And these are strategies as well of making sure that as much water is retained into the soil and even as the soil is getting regenerated. So some of these are the technologies when it comes to soils uh, consideration. But when it comes to the crop itself, we look at integrating drought-tolerant crops within the farming systems. So we have a number of varieties. And since I work with the Alliance of Biodiversity International and SEAT, we work a lot on beans. So careful selection of the varieties that are drought-tolerant enables one to fit these varieties in the dry uh, situations or seasons when we predict that there will be drought. And we have a number of varieties that we've released across the continent. Here in Kenya, we have a variety called Nyota. It's a 70-day maturity variety and very adapted to the dryland areas of eastern Kenya. And where farmers have been able to have maybe two, three major rains that are well distributed within the critical stages of the crop. Farmers have been able to harvest a crop of nyota when other crops like maize have failed. So it becomes a very critical crop that can fit within the uh, climate smart agriculture interventions. So choice of varieties is critical because the varieties enable you to be able to have the right suited crop for a given geographical area and therefore adapt to the changing climate. In addition to that, just to add on, we also look at various cropping systems. You realize that uh, our systems need diversification. And so having systems that are diverse with the different crops enables farmers to be able to adapt to changing climate in a way that when one crop fails, the second crop will always be able to survive and be able to produce food for the household. So some of the innovations that we are doing are innovations to do with cropping systems. How do you configure your farm arrangement in a way that you have either rotation systems, where you grow one crop and rotate it with the other depending on the season, but also where you are growing these crops in the same piece of land, what we call intercropping, but in unique configurations that enable you to maximize yield of either crop at the same time within the same piece of land. These aspects of crop diversification and innovative cropping systems are also part of what we consider as climate-smart innovations and technologies. Dr. Waswa advocates for supporting farmers through information about new technologies and what to invest in. He spoke to us about how he does this. 
in terms of the research and the knowledge that we need to um, bring up, we still need to innovate on the various technologies um, that can adapt. Um, sometimes changing the crop varieties is critical because uh, through that we are able to have crops that are tolerant to drought, various pests and diseases. So area of variety development that targets different agroecologies and market opportunities is critical. The second thing uh, is being able to have, you know, how do we get the knowledge to the farmers, being innovative in how we get the knowledge to the farmers and using more digital solutions where possible so that farmers can access this information from wherever. Some of the approaches that we use, we share a lot of information with the farmers through the digital platforms, including WhatsApp um, and the various groups. And that is also a way of making sure that information gets to the farmers um, uh, on these innovations and the technologies that we are developing. As you realize, the extension supporting most of our countries is quite weak and not all farmers may be reached at the same time. So having innovative approaches that enable getting uh, farmers information wherever they are and as timely as possible would be critical. And one of the key information that is critical is information on changing weather and climate patterns in the region. And if we are able to have farmers know how to interpret this particular information that comes from the meteorological department or that is available on various apps, then farmers will make the right decisions. And all these, we need to look at farming as a bundled approach, not in components. Because when you look at the variety, we look at it in relation to the soils. We look at it in relation to the uh, socioeconomic issues, what we call socio-technical innovation bundling. That is a way of making sure that we bring in both the technical aspect and the socioeconomic aspects. And when we bring this together, they are able to bear on a wholesome um, plan for agriculture intervention. And then getting the support from government and other authorities to grow the agriculture sector. Returning to Phoebe, she highlights the progress she's achieved by embracing innovations on her farm. For the other uh, farming practices and the innovations which I'm using in my farm, I'm doing what we call reaping. Reaping, you just take uh, either tractor or underdone. You draw, you dip a, a line, a continuous line. You dig it, uh, turning the soil. And on that area where you have dug, turning the soil, it is the same area where you'll apply the manure, and that's where I'll plant my seed. In so doing, I'll ensure that the seed has been placed where the soil has been prepared, manure has been placed, and the uh, the land or the ground beside the seed is not disturbed. I leave it intact so that we can have it regenerate naturally. Apart from uh, reaping and applying manure, I also do zypids. We make the two feet by two feet um, uh, pits. We remove the topsoil, add manure, and return the topsoil and mix it properly, ready for planting. Other practices are like uh, harvesting rainwater. Remember I said we have plenty of rains during the first week and then the rain drops down even to zero. 
So during the uh, period when you have plenty of rains, I harvest water in a big water pan. That big water pan will harvest water, and that water I'll use it during the dry spell to sustain the crops. And also after the rains, the remaining water, I do vegetable growing for the family and also for sale. I also use the same water for my livestock. I have two uh, uh, cows and I do chicken and also fish for me. So I use that harvested rainwater. I, I harvest the service runoff water and I use it for my livestock and also farming fish. So those are some of the innovations which I'm using. I'm also uh, uh, very keen on planting period, early planting, so that I can capture the rains when, when they come in. I don't lose the drops of rains which I mean my crops will be sustained. So these are just some of the the innovations which we are using. And I'm also using diversification of uh, the crops I grow. For example, I'm doing green grams. Green grams will take two months and they'll be ready. I'm doing beans, the a variety we call nyota, and that variety is proving to be quite doing well with the small rain amount of rainfalls we're getting. In the zipis, I'm doing maize, uh, so that at least maize is our stable food. And also on the ridges of the zipis, I'm doing um, cassava and sweet potato. So I'm diversifying the kind of crops I'm growing to be able to balance the nutrition at the same time to be able to harvest at every level of rainfall available. Imao Udo, a Nigerian farmer from Akwaiba, shares how the International Institute for Tropical Agriculture in Nigeria introduced some innovations to address climate change impacts on his farm. He discussed the positive changes these innovations brought and the other strategies he adopted to tackle climate change effects. I've been here for more than uh, 10 years now. Since I graduated from school, I, I've been in the business previously, talking about four, I mean, five, six years ago. We do average in December and January here in Upper Winstead, owing to the fact that we are in the tropical rainforest. But what we've witnessed last year and this year is that we've experienced drought. And when the rain is falling, it will be more than what it used to be. As a short duration, but high amount of rainfall compared to when we used to have high duration and the distribution is in good quantity. But now the duration is too short, but the quantity is much. So that has been the transition we've seen. And normally we, we do start our planting much. Much of every year. By Feb January, February, we'll prepare the land and, and wait for the first rain or the second rain for us to go to the field. And then we'll listen to the radio for their weather forecast. So there are some programs that they do over the radio, you know, telling us don't go to the field now. We go to the field now, this rain will not be sustainable. This rain will not come back again in a few days' time. So personally, I follow such trend. Then I look out for weather forecast online to check whether we will have rain, you know, in few weeks, in 
No, with that now I can say, okay, I'm going to the field this month. I'm not going to the field this month. So that I will not keep on changing the stems because of drought. Here in our climate zone, here in our soil, meaning Apoyam State, the part of Apoyam I'm coming from, we are affected by damage. So when uh, IIT and Umudi came, they introduced us to certain chemicals that we dip our stem, certain insecticide that we dip our stem, so that when once we plant it, it will not be affected by the climate. That's one. Two, the pattern of our planting, we used to bury our stems. Then they came up, and then not just one, we will not plant one stem per, per mound. We will plant up to two, three stems per mound. You know, when they came up, they told us that that will lead to competition, that we need to plant one. And then that one, we will not bury it. We slant it at angle 45. By so doing, we we reduce the amount of stem that we need. And then they talked about spacing. They teach us how to do that spacing so that we will not overcrowd the few with so many plants. At the end of the day, we have to reduce it. We adopted the strategy and we use. In developing solutions and innovations that will help the farmers combat climate change, it is important that they are carried along in this process. Dr. Waswa shares how he collaborates with the farmers. Well, working with farmers is a very interesting space because you're dealing with diverse farmers across different geographical areas and different cultures, and uh, they grow different crops. The environments are different. So one aspect that is critical for us as scientists uh, working with farmers is to understand the conditions under which we are operating. For example, there are areas that would prefer a certain crop to another. There are areas where because of climate and the rainfall, they have to plant at certain times and prepare the land differently. So our first starting point to work with the farmers is to understand the geographical area, and understand also the farmers themselves. What are their preferences? What do they grow? How do they grow it? And so any innovation that we develop, we try to co-design and co-develop with the farmers and bring the learning together with them. And so we apply various approaches, participatory approaches of learning that uh, involve the farmer in the design of new innovations. Remember, farmers have been doing this work for long, and they also have a lot of valuable information. And so anytime we work with the farmers is to go into the context and immerse ourselves in a joint learning, picking positive elements from the farmers and integrating new aspects that we have for the farmers to pick the new innovations that are emerging from the science and research that we do. Now, among the approaches that we use, there are quite a number of these. We have opportunities where we set up learning demonstrations within the farmer context areas. And so farmers use these to come and learn from there and take the technologies to their own farms. For example, under the initiative on diversification in East and South Africa, one of the projects that we implement at the Alliance of Biodiversity International at SEAT we use a mother-baby approach. This is an approach where we have a centralized mother demo with diverse technologies and um, combinations that farmers can come and see. And whichever one they feel they like or would like to demonstrate or try it out on their farms, 
they pick one or two technologies and go try it out on their farms. What we call now the baby demo, from the mother to the baby demo. And we are able to work together, visit the farmers, interact with them, and pick the lessons that they are picking. And this enables us to refine the technology even more. And this becomes some of the technologies that we are promoting. Ensuring that these innovation-rich farmers is critical for their success. Professor Vias discusses the available funding sources, including support from private institutions. For me, a very important route is blended finance because we cannot really depend on just public institutions, although they have a very, very important role uh, in safeguarding the food security of these countries. But at the same time, I think private sector has a huge role to play in in sort of like, you know, catalyzing these innovations to sort of jumpstart these innovations. And then this can be taken forward by the public institutions. This uh, private sector is needed to is needed as a game changer. They are needed because they can be the first ones to sort of prove that these innovations work. And then the public sector can come in and help scale them out. Now, why like why most of the times the public sector cannot be so quick is because they have to deal with their own bureaucracy. It, it is a time-taking process. And that is why these sort of shortcomings are overcome when you work with the private sector. But at the same time, why will private sector do this, right? So what is it that they have? Um, And that is why, as researchers, it is also very important for us to understand that whatever solutions that we are offering has to make a business sense. If we can prove that um, using these innovations, it will actually benefit how it will benefit a seed company, how it will benefit a fertilizer company, how it will benefit an insurance company in making better products, in earning more revenues, and in making sure that all the inefficiencies that they face right now in their business model and their value chain, how how really uh, we can help in removing this, but it has to be scientifically backed up. And that is what we are trying to do, that we are trying to link both ends of the spectrum through our solutions. That we are, uh, we have solutions which for foremost have to be have to help the farmers. Right? We are not here to earn profit off of farmers. We have to do it in a way where farmers de-risk their production, and at the same time, uh, the companies can increase their revenues. And that is the the key by linking these two extremes of the value chain. Um, and I think why private sector needs to do this is because it's also their business, right? For example, if we talk about in a private insurance company, a private seed company, what will they earn if there are no farmers or if there is no farming? As we await broader accessibility to these solutions, farmers like Phoebe already enjoy significant yield improvement from these innovations. So uh, climate change came in gradually. And I started seeing decline in the amount of yields I'm getting from the field. I was doing six acres, doing different varieties of crops. For example, I would do an acre of green grams. In normal circumstances, an acre of green grams should give you at least five bags, each 90 kilograms. And then it started dropping even to one bag from that field where I was getting three bags of uh, green grams. 
it reduced to one and continued reducing. So I was wondering what is happening. I realized we are not getting enough rainfalls. The patterns have been disrupted. So when I started using these innovations, I'm not doing a large piece of land. Instead of doing the six, I'm doing three. This was, I can manage them properly with the innovations I'm using. So when I do one acre of green grams, using the innovations of reaping, manure application, early planting, certified seeds, I'm usually getting four bags each 90 kilograms. That is green grams. And that's a, a good uh, yield for an acre to give you four bags each 90 kilograms as compared to what was happening in one acre getting one bag or less due to climate change. So those are some of the, the impacts, the positive impacts I've realized by using the innovations. That's all from us at Science Explained today. If you want to find out more, head to the SciDevNet website. That's www.scidev.net. Today's show was produced by Alice Hurst with editing and reporting by Ogechi Ikeanyao and Titilapwe Fadare and hosting by me, Ogechi Ikeanyao. Until next time, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. 